Well, what is the local church? As we define this subject, some of us may have had bad experiences of what we perceive to be the local church. And so we feel disaffected and indifferent towards this precious institution which has been established by the Lord Jesus Christ. But we do not wish to define the local church by our experiences of its failings and blemishes, but rather as the scripture defines the local church. I'd like to begin by reading from Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that it should be holy and without blemish we're reminded then that the church is a glorious thing in the eyes of the Lord. It is dear to him as his bride, the apple of his eye. It is a precious thing for which he gave himself, his life. As the apostle says in Acts chapter 20, he purchased the flock with his own blood. Therefore, we must have a high esteem for the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. But how do we define it? How does scripture define it? The New Testament refers to the church initially in two ways. And it's important that we recognize this fact. Firstly, it refers to that universal body of believers, the saints of God, the elect, in every era, in every place, united together under the headship of Jesus Christ. That's the way the church is referred to here. Christ loved the church, that universal body of his people. But the New Testament also refers to the church as a local body of believers. In Philemon chapter 1 and verse 2, Paul writes to our beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2, unto the church of God which is at Corinth. Likewise to the Thessalonians. In Galatians 1 verse 2, Paul refers to the churches of Galatia. And it's important that we recognize that the local church in the New Testament has a primary focus, frequently referred to. Some content themselves that they are members of that universal or international body of believers. I belong to the family of God, the church of Jesus Christ in that sense. And for them that is sufficient. But in the New Testament, believers were added to the local church. Acts chapter 2, verse 47. The Lord added unto the church 
such as should be saved. The Greek word used in the New Testament, translated in our Bible's church, is ecclesia. It means those who are called out and those who are gathered together. That's the simplest definition of the local church. Those who are called of God by the gospel, through the work of the Holy Spirit in their hearts, united together under the headship of Jesus Christ. What I want to do in this session is firstly to define the importance of the local church. Then secondly, to think of God's purpose for the local church. So, how do we define the local church and its importance? It is a divinely appointed institution. Therefore, we cannot despise it. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I will build my church. He identifies with it. That's a kind of manifesto. What is Christ's policy going forward from his earthly life? It is to build his church. It was founded, some may say, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out in a remarkable way. Immediately, the Lord by his Spirit began to work converting souls, calling people by grace to himself, a church was formed, established. Paul, the wise master builder, as he describes himself in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, established churches during his missionary journeys. 1 Corinthians, sorry, 1 Thessalonians was written only weeks after Paul's visit to Thessalonica. And already, as he writes to them, he refers to the church of the Thessalonians. In Acts 15, verse 41, we read, He went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches which had been established on his first missionary journey. Acts 16 and verse 5, and so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. And so Paul, as the exemplary missionary, was a church builder. That was his policy. That was his aim. Not simply to make converts and disciples, but to organize them into local churches. It is the focus of the Lord's interest in the New Testament. Much of the New Testament is written to local churches. In so doing, the Holy Spirit has put his authentic stamp upon the importance of the local church in God's New Testament program. Christ is depicted in the book of Revelation, chapters 1, 2, and 3, as in the midst of the candlesticks. And we're told the candlesticks are the seven churches. That is where Christ's interest and focus is. If we are outside the local church, 
or if we despise it as an institution, then we are out of step with the love and the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. The union of Christ and his people is described frequently in terms of the union between Christ and his church, the head and the body, the shepherd and the flock. Secondly, what is the purpose of the local church? What does Christ intend by establishing the local church? Firstly, it is God's dwelling place on earth. The Apostle Paul, writing to Timothy, reminds him that it is the house of God, the pillar and ground of the truth. In Ephesians chapter 2, we read, In whom all the building, fitly framed together, groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also, the local church at Ephesus, are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. The local church is the place of God's special presence. Isaac Watts, in his rendering of Psalm 87, said, He loves the tents of Jacob well, but still in Zion, the church, loves to dwell. This is where, as believers, we are most likely to enjoy a sense of the presence of God. Because the church is central to his affections, his interests, his work, his blessing. And if we bypass the local church in our thinking and our loyalty, then we are out of step with the purposes of the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, the second purpose of the local church in the plan of God is that it is the seat of corporate worship. We may have family worship. We may have private devotions. But the scriptures make clear that the Lord delights in the gathered worship of the saints. It is a holy temple, says the Apostle Paul, there in Ephesians chapter 2. Psalm 87, we read, God is, sorry, 89, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them who are about him. Praise waiteth for thee in Zion. The local church is, in one sense, heaven upon earth. It should be. It should be the gathered saints in communion with their God, singing his praise, acknowledging all that he is and all that he has done for them, seeking his will, serving him devotedly. Thirdly, the church is the custodian of sound doctrine, the pillar and ground of the truth. Patrick Fairbairn, the Scottish divine, said this, while they are steadfast to their profession, the people of God as a church are a basement 
whereon the truth may securely rest amid the fluctuations of the world, and a pillar to bear it aloft, that all may know and consider it. That is God's purpose and design for the local church. That's why it is a tragedy when the local church abandons sound doctrine. That's why we should not be surprised that Satan assaults the foundations of the church, its doctrines, because this is God's purpose. It is the church that is to be the custodian of the oracles of God during the New Testament age. And the faithful local church recognizes the absolute authority of Scripture. It regulates all its affairs in light of it. It orders its worship under the standards of God's holy word and promotes it to all with whom it has to do. The church is the primary, preeminent means by which the cause of God on earth is to be advanced. If you and I have a heart for the cause of God, his honor, his glory, the furtherance of his kingdom, then we must in our hearts be bound in affection and esteem for the local church of the Lord Jesus Christ. If I may sound a warning here, we live in an age of what have come to be known as parachurch organizations, Christian organizations which are not rooted in the local church. There are a plethora of personality ministries where individuals, men and women, set themselves up as teachers, conference speakers, online communicators. But if you research, of course not all of them, but it seems many of them have little regard for the local church. They promote their own agenda. They have policies and plans which are not rooted in the program that the Lord has given the furtherance of his local church. Many of those who we may call online influencers or bloggers who seem to host online chat shows, they almost appear oblivious to the fact that the purpose of the Lord is that his people shall be fed and established and the cause of Christ advanced through local churches not through such online ministries. And often these people seem to operate outside the uh, superintendence and accountability that the local church ought to bring to their ministry. Fourthly, the purpose of the local church is to be the primary instrument of evangelism and gospel proclamation. The apostle could say of the Thessalonians, from you sounded out the word, we need not say anything. Paul was very happy with that development. He had had to move on from Thessalonica 
as a result of persecution. But he knew that the local church which he had established, though it was so young, was already making known the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul and Barnabas themselves set out from the church at Antioch and they returned to the church at Antioch. People sometimes lose sight of this. They see Paul as, a, as an individual going around the Mediterranean with his uh, preaching party almost uh, as individuals without a church. But that's not the case. They were sent out under the direction of the Holy Spirit from the church at Antioch. And we read in Acts 14 verse 26 that they sailed back to Antioch from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And there they abode long time with the disciples. Paul was not a journeyman conference speaker. He was a church member who returned to give an account of his ministry to his sending church. Timothy, a pattern pastor, is exhorted by Paul, do the work of an evangelist. Any local church which has no interest in evangelistic ministry, preaching the gospel regularly, is failing in that divinely appointed program which the Lord has established in the New Testament for local churches. Fifthly, finally, the purpose of the Lord is the edification of his people through the local church. Most of the one another texts which are littered across the New Testament are in the context of the local church. The church is appointed of God as the place where we watch over one another, bear one another's burdens, admonish one another in love. It is the local church to whom the Lord has sent his appointed ministers for the edification of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the training of his people for Christian service. Thirdly, or lastly now, we've looked at the, uh, the importance of the local church, the purpose of the local church. I want to look, lastly, at the character, the defining traits of the local church. And I'll have to move swiftly through these. There are six. Firstly, the local church in the New Testament has a definite membership. Paul writes to the Corinthians and says, when you come together to the Lord's table, there was a visible expression of those who were members. There was a role of those who belonged. There were insiders and outsiders. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the apostle instructs the church to put out of the church 
an offending member. And he speaks of those who are within and without. You cannot have a definite church membership if you view the church as everyone in the parish or locality. It has to be a definite membership to reflect the New Testament picture that is given of the local church. Members that are accountable to one another and to the Lord. Secondly, the local church must have a believing or a regenerate, born-again membership. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, those that gladly received the word were baptized. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and they were added to the church. It was a believing membership. The apostle Peter speaks of living stones that make up the house of God. We have no place in the local church if we are not alive spiritually to the Lord. J.L. Dagg, in his Manual of Church Order, wrote this. The character of those who composed the New Testament churches may be readily learned from the epistles addressed to them. They are called the elect of God children of God by faith, sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, followers of the Lord, beloved of the Lord. No doubt can exist that these churches were, in the view of the inspired writers who addressed them, composed of persons truly converted to God. We do not bring our children at birth into membership. The church of the New Testament is made up of those who have these characteristics of being converted, born again, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thirdly, the New Testament churches are to be independent, not part of a denomination as such, not under the authority of a pope or a bishop in that sense, but under the headship of Jesus Christ, each directly accountable to him. In Revelation 2 and 3, we see those churches as candlesticks. Christ was in the midst. The Old Testament depicted God's cause on earth with that candlestick with its seven branches. But John now sees individual lampstands, candlesticks. It, it depicts local churches at Ephesus, Philadelphia, Smyrna, Laodicea, and so on. They were all independent and directly accountable to Christ. Christ writes to the messenger, the angel, of each of those individual churches directly, not to some you know, bishop or archbishop that was over all of the churches, but each one independently. They are self-regulating, appointing their own officers, admitting and dismissing their own members. We see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. 
Now, it is a faulty assumption that some people make that the local church is a pure democracy. They say every decision must be brought to the whole church for consent. But the New Testament pattern is quite different. All are under the headship of Christ, but each local church is directed to appoint its own office bearers, and they are over this work, we read in Acts 20. In Acts 6, we read of the deacons, that they were over, uh, that they are over the work of managing the practical affairs of the church. Overseers is the word that is used. They are over you in the Lord, the apostle writes, of the elders and bishops, those that must give an account of their office. Those who are appointed are appointed to exercise a decision-making role in the name of Christ on behalf of the members. They are not to lord it over God's heritage. They are to be examples to the flock, but they do have, they are charged with decision-making. And members are gladly to defer to those decisions that their office bearers make unless they are clearly unbiblical and contrary to the standards of Christ. Fourthly, the church is defined in the New Testament as a covenant community. This will be dealt with later by Pastor Winkle, so I won't expand on it at any great length. But remember, Israel were a covenant community in the Old Testament. How much more the church of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is under the better covenant established through him. We bind ourselves to the Lord and to his cause on earth. We are to have a covenant mindset that leads us to loyalty and commitment, not only to the Lord, but to the local churches which he has established. The church is a place of accountability and commitment. Every part of the body has a purpose. Every branch in the vine is to be productive. And the local church is depicted in the New Testament as a place of order and organization and governance. It is a building. A pile of bricks is not a building. Members simply gathered in one place, in one sense, are not a local church. There must be leadership, organization, structure. A church without office bearers is not really a fully functioning New Testament church. That may be, must be the aim. That must be where the gathered people of God seek to be under pastors and elders and deacons and so on. Well, as we draw to conclusion, let me just say this. 
membership of the local church is important. And I give to you two reasons. Firstly, because it is biblical. In the New Testament, we read that the, those converted on the day of Pentecost were praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. And throughout the Acts of the Apostles, we see converts almost exclusively added to local churches. And as soon as was practically possible under the leadership of bishops or elders and deacons, there are very few exceptions. The Ethiopian eunuch who returned to his homeland did not join a church initially. There are traditions that he established a church back in his homeland. But he is an exception. Almost all New Testament believers were incorporated into the local church where they lived and became useful members. It may not be possible for all of us. We may live in an area where there is no sound church. But friends, it ought to be our prayerful concern, if at all possible, to be in membership and under the care and guidance of a local church. Secondly, it's important because that is where we are safest as believers. Remember, the church is described as a flock. Which is the sheep that is most vulnerable? The sheep that has wandered from the flock. If we are under the shepherd and his care, if we are under the under-shepherds, Christ's earthly shepherds, faithful pastors and teachers, ministers of the word, that is the safest place for our souls. It's no surprise that those who live outside of the local church as believers often fall into false teaching, often become cold and careless in their Christian walk, often yield to the world, it's almost inevitable. The church is described as a family. Children are safest in a family. And like a family, the local church is a place of discipline with a small d. It's where care and accountability and mutual submission and commitment and service and loyalty are best expressed and experienced. Well, I trust that this has been helpful for us this morning. The local church, it's precious to the Lord, a most glorious institution established and ordained by Jesus Christ for the furtherance of his cause on earth. Independent, made up as far as possible with genuine believers, under mutual submission 
fed through those whom the Lord has equipped to preach and to teach. This is the Lord's plan and purpose for his kingdom upon earth. May the Lord give to us each a high regard for the local church and bless us each with being in membership of a church that strives to reflect this New Testament pattern. Well, may the Lord bless his word to us. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank thee for the bride of Christ. And we ask that each one of us here may be members of local expressions of that glorious church of the Lord Jesus Christ. May we cherish the church just as Christ cherishes the church. May we fear to offend or to wound or to harm uh, this organization, this institution, which is the pillar and ground of the truth and the ordained vehicle for the furtherance of the gospel in these days in which we live. We ask these things for Christ's sake and for his honor and glory. Amen. Amen. We take a...